Welcome to Andrew's Audio Tours of Early Christian Rome, the podcast that helps you see how Rome's most famous sites are connected to the New Testament and the early church. This series of tours is designed to be used on the ground. Listen along and I'll walk you through what you see while you're standing at a particular spot in Rome. These are video podcasts, which means that they have images embedded at certain points. Depending on the device that you're using, you should be able to see some photos on your screen that will help you get the most out of this tour. Trajan's Market was built by one of Rome's greatest emperors, and it's a fascinating piece of ancient engineering. But it's also one of the best places to come to terms with the economic might of ancient Rome, and with the criticism of that economy that's found in the New Testament book of Revelation. This is a good tour to include immediately after a visit to Trajan's Column and Basilica, so you might consider visiting those two sites first. Your tour of Trajan's Market begins by standing in front of the market between it and the Via de Fori Imperiali. Restart your tour when you're in the right spot. The curved complex of buildings in front of you is known as Trajan's Market, and it was built by the Emperor Trajan around 110 AD. Construction of this building completely reconfigured the hillside which lies behind it. Three different streets were shifted to run through this market, giving access to at least 170 rooms inside. The buildings are largely constructed using concrete that was covered with a layer of decorative brick. This is a site that's more impressive on the inside than it is from the street, but you can still see some interesting elements from this spot. At ground level, along the length of the semicircle, you can see a series of arches. These were alcoves that were probably used as very small shops. They're all different depths because they follow the bedrock of the hillside. The fifth archway from the left has been reconstructed to show how all these alcoves originally looked when they were used as shops. Looking up and slightly to the right, you can see a series of rectangular windows that appear to be about three stories tall. The windows are just below a tower. That tower was added much later in the medieval period, but the tower is a good marker to help you locate the windows. That three-story building with its windows is most likely an ancient apartment block. The overwhelming majority of Rome's residents lived in apartment buildings like this one, though by Roman standards, three stories was actually a low-rise apartment building. Immediately to the left of the apartment complex is a covered arcade. You can just barely see the exterior walls from here, and depending on your mobile device, you may be able to see a picture of the interior on your screen. It's a beautiful space that is just filled with light, and today it houses a museum about the imperial fora. In the ancient world, it was probably also a complex of shops and small-scale vendors. So what all happened in this huge complex? This structure was named Trajan's Market when it was excavated in the early 1900s. The name probably isn't too far off, though there's some debate as to what its purpose originally was. Some archaeologists think the complex was basically a shopping mall, with independent vendors selling their wares in different rooms. Others think that this space was used for government offices. A third possibility is that it combined both functions, perhaps by being a location where government-subsidized grain was distributed to Roman citizens. But since the layout of the individual rooms 
is so similar to other shops in the Roman world, it seems likely that at least some exchange of goods was taking place in at least some of these buildings in some form. That makes this a good spot to remember the tremendous economic power of ancient Rome. If you had enough money, you could come to shops like this one and buy just about anything that the ancient world had to offer. Goods were imported from the Baltic region, the Middle East, India, Southeast Asia, China, and more. Spices, colored marbles, silk, perfumes, ivory, and exotic foods were luxury goods available for purchase. And of course, staggering quantities of staples like olive oil, grain, and wine supplied the poor and the middle class. In its scale, its complexity, and its sophistication, the world had never seen anything like the Roman economy. The economy was so massive that it literally reshaped the geography of Rome. At its height, the city of Rome was importing about 7.5 million liters of olive oil each year. This oil was shipped to Rome in ceramic jars called amphora. Because they operated with such enormous and seemingly inexhaustible resources, the Romans didn't bother to recycle or reuse these amphora. They were treated as some of the world's first disposable packaging. The Romans just took the amphora to one spot south of Rome and they smashed them. They systematically smashed 53 million of these amphora in one spot, so many that it created a hill 35 meters tall and a kilometer in circumference. If you pass by this hill today, called Monte Testaccio, you're passing by that artificial hill generated by the scrap packaging from one tiny part of the Roman economy. All that economic activity happened in places like Trajan's Market here. Standing in a spot like this and trying to wrap our heads around the unmatched complexity of the Roman economy, we can better appreciate another scripture from the New Testament. Revelation chapter 18 celebrates the destruction of a mighty city named Babylon which sits on seven hills and persecutes God's people. Since Rome is a city that sits on seven hills and persecuted Christians, the code isn't too hard to crack. But anyway, Revelation describes how luxury and excess is one reason for the city's fall. Revelation focuses on the impact that Rome's destruction will have on the global economy. Part of chapter 18 says this. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over the city because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, every sort of wood, and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil a fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as slaves. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea, they'll stand far off. 
When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, Was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Was there ever a city like this great city? No, indeed there was not. The complexity and sophistication, the wealth of the Roman economy was unmatched, and it was particularly unmatched by the early church. We have literary evidence that in the city of Rome, the first Christians were so poor that when they wanted to support others in the community, some of them had to sell themselves into slavery and use those funds to support other Christians. Against that kind of poverty of the early church, the wealth of some inhabitants of the empire doubtless seemed almost obscene. Yet standing here before Trajan's market, you can see that the Roman economy, though previously unmatched, did indeed come to an end. That's all for now. Gavin Spell is our audio engineer for these tours, and he also performs our music. If you have feedback about these tours, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at andrew at andrewgarnett.org. That's A-N-D-R-E-W at A-N-D-R-E-W-G-A-R-N-E-T-T dot org. I hope that we meet again soon, and for both of our sakes, when we do, I hope that we're standing in the streets of the Eternal City.